just to start the recording, we are, uh, we just read through Genesis 6 through 9, but we read through it listening to audio. And I just asked the class, was there anything that they had missed by listening and reading at the same time that maybe they didn't see before when they just read, they didn't listen to the word as they were reading it? Um, for me, it's not that I, I didn't, you know, that I didn't read it, but, uh, and God remembered Noah. And God remembered Noah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that God actually remembered Noah. You know, he's out there and everything else. And yeah. just to think, God remembers us. God remembers us. Yeah. Did anyone pick up how God shut the door to the ark? That's like, Wow, yeah, wow. God shut the door to the ark. I think also how he brought the animals to Noah. Yes, mm -hmm. how he brought the animals to Noah also. So what did we learn for chapter 6? If we go back to chapter 6, it's, it's on the handout that I had given you. What we see there, because the last class we had, we talked about how dark it was, right? It was violent, the days of Noah. I mean, last class we had, I don't know if it was uploaded or not, but I did record it. But we just looked at what were the days of Noah like, because Jesus said when he comes again, it's going to be like the days of Noah. So we were doing a contrast between what it was like in Noah's day and what we're seeing today in our world and how there's so much that relates to what we see today. So what we see from Genesis 6 really, and reflecting on the last class we did, we see that we can have a walk with God no matter how dark it is or how dark it gets because God remembered Noah, but he saw Noah. He saw that Noah was living for him. He walked with God. And that's encouraging to us. Because that tells me God gives us the grace to live for him. No matter what generation we're living in and no matter what's going on all around us. But also what stood out, God speaks to us in the midst of the darkness. He spoke to Noah. He was very clear in his instruction to Noah as to what he was supposed to do in his time, in his generation. And we have God's word. I have it on the phone here. I was reading it as I was listening, but God has entrusted his word to us in this time in history that we have it, and he speaks to us. He communicates with man. Isn't that amazing that the God of this universe, the creator of all things, communicates with mankind and he gives us instruction we see with Noah he gave him instruction how to build the ark and now think about what he was surrounded with mockers and scoffers the same as we see today mockers and scoffers if you say anything about God's word do you really believe that hath God really said we're still in that mindset is still in the world but you know what's so amazing in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. And that's encouraging to us because, like I said earlier, no matter how dark it gets, 
God's word lights up our pathway in the midst of the darkness. And we need that more than ever. And that's why we're always encouraging, be in the word, be in the word, be in the word. Because it does give you hope, you know? I mean, you could look at the news or hear what's going on around the world and it's like, there's no hope. But then when you get in the word, it's like, there is hope. God is in control. Jesus is on the throne. It's his will going forth. It's not man's will. God is orchestrating all the events exactly as he said it was going to be. The same in Noah's time. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The unfolding of your word gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 19 verse 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, and the commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So we need to treasure the word of God in this time that we're living in because it really is what we need every moment of the day. And as it grows darker, we're going to need God's truth, God's light even more and more. Jesus said in John 8 verse 12, when he said to his disciples, I am the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And again, we have two pathways. We could choose to be on the pathway that is in darkness, or we could choose to be on the pathway that leads to life. The pathway that leads to darkness leads to death. And we see that in Noah's time. Those that were rejecting the message, I'm sure Noah was preaching repentance. Get on the ark. There's a flood coming. God's judgment's coming. But people chose the path that leads to death. In the ark here, they have that painting. I don't know how many of you have seen it where the floodwaters are just people on rocks holding on to their life, the door's shut. And, and you see they're clinging to things and they're drowning. But God sent them a message. But they weren't taking heed to what they were hearing. They didn't believe God's word was true. What God said was he was going to do, he was going to do. Same as today, right? Same as today. You really believe that? John 1, verse 5, Jesus said, the light shines in darkness. Noah was shining during that time. Your light shining in the midst of the darkness that's around us, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that tells me that the light that is in us is greater than the darkness around us. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, right? That's what scripture tells us. Matthew 5 verse 14 says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. And again, I can't think about the more Noah was building that ark. Amen. They could see that. You think about how big the ark is here. Williamstown, you could see it from a distance. And that was like a light to these people that were living during that time that was shining in the midst of the darkness, but yet people rejected. 
they rejected. And you look and you say, but why would you choose? Why would you choose that pathway? Knowing that it only leads to death and destruction. Acts 13 verse 47, when we built our house, just figuring it out the other day, it's been, like you said, it's been 18 years so we've been where we're at. The Lord had given me the scripture and I posted it. And listen to what it says. It says, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Every one of your life is that. The Gentiles are the unsaved. God has made you a light right where you are, right where you live, to bring the knowledge of salvation to them. To anyone that would hear. And this is what Noah was trying to do. By building that ark, God told him what was coming. But no one wanted to enter in. Even some of his family members mocked him and scoffed him. But he was still obedient. He was still obedient to do what God wanted him to do. You see that in Genesis 7. We saw that Noah expresses his faith by his obedience to God. In Hebrews 11 verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah was divinely warned. Do we hear God divinely warning us in this hour. He hadn't seen it yet, what was coming. We have the word of God that tells us what to expect, what's on the horizon. And he moved with godly fear. He moved with godly fear, he was obedient. And that's something the Lord's been making very real to me lately. I'm more interested in your obedience than your sacrifice. Because it's easier to sacrifice stuff. It's hard to be obedient in all things. But he keeps speaking that to me. I'm interested in your obedience, even in little things, the littlest thing. Will you be obedient? No wise. No one was obedient. God gave him specific instructions, and he did what God told him to do. God saw he can be trusted. He's a man that's going to do what I've asked him to do. What's amazing to me is how God, we see in these chapters, communicating with man. Why would he even bother to communicate with man, with us, right? It's amazing to me, knowing that the earth was full of violence and evil and wickedness. It was full of corruption. That's what we saw in our last class. And yet he found one man that he can communicate his heart to. 
Matthew 24, verse 33, this ties in with what we looked at last week, when Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, because he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the last days. When you see these things happening, wars, rumors of wars, nation turning against nation, family members turning against family members, know that it's near at the doors. It's interesting how we use this at the doors. And Luke 21, 31, he says, so you also, when you see these things happening, when you read the whole context, it's really everything we're seeing happening today in our world. Know that the kingdom of God is near. So we see these things, we hear these things, right? And we realize God's divine judgment is upon us, not in full force yet, but the start of it is upon us. So that behooves us to move with godly fear, right? Realizing that what God says he's going to do, he's going to do. And that was established early on in Genesis, when you remember, when you look at God's word. What God says, he does. And that's what you see. The divine judgment of God was about to come, but it was in his time. How long did it take Noah to complete that ark? 120 years. I think it said he was 600 years old, right? When he completed it. I mean, we pray for things, so God tells us, his word or maybe in a sermon about something that's going to happen and we expect it like this week but no we're talking about tested faith 120 years just plugging away plugging away not seeing anything but still devoted and faithful to what God told me to do Talk about faith tested by fire. It was God's divine judgment was coming. And he knew, get in the ark. Get in the ark. And the ark today is Christ. We need to be in Christ so he can, it's like the children of Israel when God's judgments came to put the blood on the doorpost, the symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ, those that are covered in the blood, the death angel passed over. Jesus in John 3, verse 18 and 36, he said, he that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Thus Christ reveals that God's wrath abides on people who reject his atonement, which is the only means of escape from condemnation and divine judgment. So we hear the Lord speaking to us how many times in so many services, right? In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 through 2 Corinthians 7, verses 1 and 2, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Biel, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, this is the message we keep hearing, and I've been hearing this for years. Come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, <coughs> says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. And why would the Lord tell us this? You know, the message is still the same as it was back then in the Old Testament. To turn to him, to turn to him, to repent, to turn to him, to be separated, to be set apart from what we see in this world, the values, you know, what we live for, our values and the whole world mindset. When we're born again, God puts different values in our heart. We start thinking about eternity and the kingdom of God and souls and we think about just the reality that this world is passing away. I'm just passing through. You know, all that becomes more real to us when we come to the Lord. And God is calling us out because he's coming for a bride. We've seen that in some of our teaching. He's preparing us. He calls us. He was calling Noah to come into the ark, and Noah with his family went into the ark. When he calls us, my bride, I'm coming back for you. Whether we'll be raptured, I don't know when, or whether we'll just be caught up to meet him, in, I don't know how it's gonna happen, or we might die in our sleep. But he's preparing a place for us, and that becomes more real. So we want to come out. We want to be separated. We want to be with him, the lover of our soul, because we realize this is what I was created for. This is what I was created for. But I have to do my part, because again, I think about Noah heard he moved with divine fear. He separated himself. Yet he was in the midst of the people, but he was still separated. And God noticed. God noticed. God remembered. God saw that he was choosing to live for God as best as he could in the midst of what he was surrounded by, all the evils that we looked at in our last class. It's amazing in that chapter 7, God said, man's heart is evil from his youth. Remember the last chapter we looked at, he was sorry he made man. I can't even imagine what that must have been like in his heart, the ache, the pain in his heart, to see what it's turned into. Back then and even now, what it is. Genesis 6, 5, 
That was the reference to say, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then in Jeremiah's time, Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, he said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Some translations say morally sick. Who can know it? And then when Jesus was here, in Mark 7, verse 21 through 23, he said, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defiles the man. And we see that being played out, don't we? today. You know, people are trying to figure out why are there mass shootings? Why are there all these crazy things happening in our world? Right. Well, this is why. They keep saying it's a mental health issue. It's a heart issue. Yeah, the heart and the mind are interconnected, but it's a heart issue. And whatever we yield ourselves to, that thing masters us. Sin has dominion over us in that area. So what we see, I already mentioned this, God calls us. Knowing what we are, God calls us. He warns us, judgment's coming. He tells us, get in the ark. Get in the ark. Get under the covering of the blood of the Lamb before it's too late. And what we see from Noah, what God says, he does. He said a flood was coming. Judgment was coming. He waited 120 years, long time, but eventually it came. You know, and some of us in this room, I think some of us in our 60s, We've been hearing things for a long time, but we've never seen it so close like it is now than when we first got saved. Right? Things have changed dramatically in the world. It has changed. So we see what Isaiah 55 verse 11 says is true. God said, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So God preserved Noah and all those who were in the ark with him. We see that. Those that responded to the voice of God, those that were taking heed to what he was saying, what he was warning, we're doing something with what God had spoken to them, give it to them. They went into the ark. God shut that door. And what we see, reality is, it's not a fairy tale what happened. And again, I, I keep referring back to the ark. I love the section where they have the children's storybooks that make it seem like this is a fairy tale. It's a cutesy story. But it's not, it's reality and it's divine judgment that came upon this earth and we know that it happened because of the rainbow. The covenant that God made with the earth. 
this really, really happened. Every time we see that rainbow is a reminder that, ooh, God's word is true. This really did happen. There was an article that I saw because they said in 1959, there were rumors that the ark rested on the mountains of Iraq, Ararat in Turkey, and that's near the border of Iran. And there was an article from Ken Ham that I found that he wrote, and I'm just gonna read it. Here, this was written in 2021. Ken Ham referenced research by Answers in Genesis geologist Andrew Sneeling, who doubts the boat itself survived after the flood because no one in his family would have dismembered it for timber. It's like, I never thought of that. Due to the flood, Sneeling wrote, there would have been no mature trees available for Noah and his family to build shelter after they got off the ark. Further, Sneeling wrote, the site in Turkey is in a valley and not on a mountain as described by the Genesis account. It is unclear exactly the identity and the location of the mountains of Ararat. Genesis 8.4, notice the plural word, it says mountains, but even this site sits on volcanic lava flows under the mud flows, which like Mount Ararat itself is post-flood volcano that even recently erupted. Snailing wrote the ark landed on a mountain on day 150 of the flood. So if it landed on a volcano that was still erupting and erupting again later during the flood, the survival of Noah and his cargo would be at risk. We don't need to find the ark to accept it as historical reality. Snailing added, we already have the infallible testimony of the ever-present, all-knowing creator in his word. And even if the ark were found, scoffers would still reject the evidence, dismissing it as a replica built by worshipers to a myth they believe in. That's powerful. I read that, I was like, wow. I never thought of that. Because I saw a documentary that claimed that they found the ark and they had it all sealed off and you couldn't go in there. And, and it's something that we're curious about, right? Like, where is the ark, really? But this article makes so much sense. It makes sense. So what we see there, what I read earlier from Isaiah 55, 11, God said his word goes forth from his mouth and it does not return void, but it accomplishes what he pleases and it prospers in the thing that he sent it. So reality is we know God's word is without error. We know that it's true. And if God says, this is how it happened, this is how it happened. His ways are higher than ours, and his thoughts are higher than ours. And it's true, there's so many mockers and scoffers in our land that whatever evidence we bring to them, they'll still mock it and scoff it to say, hath God really said? Just like in the days of Noah. Hath God really said? 
Yeah, God has really said, and he means what he says. And I'm sure all those saints that have gone before us will testify to that when we see them when we're in heaven and we find them, you know, and ask them questions we've always wanted to ask. They'll say, well, God is faithful and God has been true to what he has said. It's dark out there, don't worry. We're in the ark. We're good. <laughs> we're, we're good. So what we see, God made a covenant, right, with Noah, and Noah built an ark to the Lord. That was the first thing he did when he got out of that ark. He built an altar to the Lord. He worshiped God. You know, you think about how many times the Lord brings us through a flood or a storm and how we can just worship the Lord through it, really. And when we come out the other side, just build that altar to him as a memorial, as a remembrance. Lord, thank you for getting me through that difficult time. I can't imagine the gratitude that was in Noah's heart, but at the same time, how his heart must have been grieved for all of those that rejected the Lord. I'm sure that he was grieved. I can't even imagine what he heard from the inside as the waters were going higher and higher, covering the mountains we read. But when we look at how when Noah built the altar to the Lord and God met him there, what we see in Genesis 9, verses 9 through 17, we see the covenant God talks to Noah about this rainbow. And this is from God Answers. I thought this was really good how it was laid out, so I put it in here. And maybe what we could do so... I'm not doing all the talking. Those of you that have the handout, maybe you could just read a paragraph a piece on what the Noah Covenant is and try to read it loud so we can get it on the recording. I think we could do it on the recording or it might be copyright. We might not be able to do it on the recording. So since I'm not sure if it has to be copyright, I'm gonna cut it out for whoever's listening, and then I'll turn it back on the recording. It's like so perfect, because we're having like a storm as I'm teaching this class outside, the winds are blowing, and it's downpouring, and we can always run into the safe, ladies, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. We're in a cement room, so I think we're okay. But what we see with the covenant that God made with Noah, it's an unconditional covenant, a promise that he made that never again will he destroy the earth with a flood. But we do read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, and Revelation 20, verse 9 and 21, verse 1, that there is a day that he has promised to destroy the earth by fire. And we don't know what that fire is or how it's coming or what it looks like, but it's known as the day of the Lord. So knowing these things, we should be moved with godly fear just like Noah was and warn others of this day that we see quickly approaching the day of the Lord. 
with all the signs that we see, Jesus said, when you see these signs, lift up your eyes because your redemption is drawing nigh. So look for any opportunity when you're talking with people for an inroad to be able to share truth with them about what God has said. Because we know, because of Noah's account, and so many others, but we're just looking at Noah right now, that when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And we're left here to just, as some people would say in our administration, circle back. We're left here to be a light in the midst of the darkness. To be a light right now to warn others, to, to share the good news of the gospel, that God's word is true. We know that for ourselves personally. And you'd be surprised when the bottom drops out for them, who's the first one they're calling? I know what happens in my family. When the bottom drops out, they're calling us. And it's an opportunity. So God keeps us coming and the rainbow, again, is reality that this thing has happened, what we read about tonight. And it's based on God's faithfulness alone, the promise that he has made through that covenant of the earth and the rainbow. You know, what's so amazing to me, we're in uh, June, and I won't say much because there's kids in the class, but we are celebrating something this month that the world is calling good what God calls evil. And isn't it interesting how they use the rainbow? It's a slap in God's face. The fact that they would use a rainbow is, is like thumbing it at God. A slap in his face. But we know what the true rainbow stands for. And I put here as a, a homework assignment that you can do is read through Romans 1. When you read through Romans 1, you'll see we are in those days right now. And it's part of God's judgment on us. He's allowing these things to happen. He knows what's going to get our attention. You know, and we grieve inside because you say, how many more people need to be lost? into eternity without God before we turn to him in the way that he wants us to turn to him not only as individuals but even as a nation there's no hope for our nation unless we turn to God in repentance but it starts with the church if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves repent turn from their wicked ways pray then I'll heal their land. And revival really is our only hope. You know, I mean, it really is our only hope. Because we see examples of that in Scripture, too, with Nineveh. You know, Nineveh was wicked, too. It's a wicked place. But they really repented from the leadership on down. They repented, and God had mercy. So we pray for that. Lord, in wrath. Remember mercy. Remember mercy on my loved ones. Remember mercy on me. Remember mercy, Lord. So, again, Noah is 
such an example for us, especially today, with the thunder going on in the back and the rain pouring down. We don't have to worry because God's not going to destroy the earth with a flood again. So let it rain and water our flowers. <laughs> but I just want to ask, does anyone have any comments on anything that we read? Because I wanted to finish out his life. I know last week we talked about the days of Noah, but as I was reading the other chapters, I said we really should look more at what happened and just all the stuff that's sandwiched in these chapters. And I don't know if anyone wants to add to what we've already talked about. Or I know we have people in this room that work for the Ark. If they want to share what they know or seen, being at the Ark day in and day out, or visitors that come and their comments unsaved people that visit the ark they come from all over the world and their impressions i don't know if anyone here has something to share i had never seen it before but i think it was in chapter six god said that the years of man would be 120 years mm -hmm. and noah built the ark in 120 years, years. And he lived over 600, 800, 700 something years. So just how God gave him kind of a rare longevity and just, I don't know why I just found it interesting that it's the same number of years. It's a good observation. You can study that out. You can do a deeper study on that if you wanted to. But that's a good observation. Because we do know after the flood, man's lifespan was cut back. And you really realize it's really a mercy from the Lord. Could you imagine if we live forever here on earth in our fallen nature? I'm so glad God cut off contact to the tree of life. Yes. Because there would be no death. Even though death is a curse, there is a mercy in it. Yeah. Yeah. That evil tyrants don't live forever. Yeah. We don't have to be under their rule forever. Yeah. Yeah. Hearty amen to that. It's good. One thing that has reminded me of when Noah built the ark, just like. I think we can't even get our heads around it, you know, like how crazy he had to appear. Mm -hmm. And even just in his own mind, if he really would have let himself, like, logically think it through, it made no sense. Right. You know, like, they, they're never been right. No. Like, why would you even need this huge, enormous boat, you know? And um, so I'm reading through John right now, and I just finished John 6. And where Jesus is like, I am the bread of life, and whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I'm just like, he is like, he's not making it sound anymore, like, beautiful. <laughs> he just makes it like, and he lets them kind of almost be in confusion about it. But anyway, I was thinking about, so then so many of his followers left him because they're like, that's too hard. Too we can't hear that. Mm -hmm. And um, how the disciples... Um, there's no way the disciples understood that. Like, they could not have been like, oh, we get it. You know, they're mm -hmm. like, they were in confusion, too. Like, mm -hmm. they, that could not have made sense to them. But he's like, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. 
But um, in verse 66 of John 6, it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And it really comes down to our trust in the Lord. Like, we don't understand, does it make sense? It couldn't have made sense to Noah. It couldn't have made sense to the disciples. But they knew who God was, and so they trusted in his character. Yeah. And it's about who he was, mm-hmm. and just being obedient, like you said. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about understanding, it's about just obeying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just amazing the obedience of Noah all those years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's true because I brought it up in the last class, I think it was, there was never any rain. Yeah. So God saying build an ark because I'm bringing a flood. Well, what's a flood? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, what what is he talking about? Yeah. But he was obedient. Yeah. He was obedient. He moved with divine... He had a fear of the Lord. I mean, it all boils down to walking in the fear of the Lord. And that we've lost in our country, period. There's no fear of God in our country anymore. I mean, there's, the only fear of the Lord there is in our country is through believers that really fear the Lord, <laughs> that are walking in the fear of the Lord. But even that in the church is no longer because that's why sin is rampant. And I could do what God's word tells me is an abomination to him and deceive myself thinking I'm okay with God and no, there's no fear of God there if you're doing what you know is sinful to him and he says those who practice these sinful things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Black and white. Mm -hmm. Very clear. Very clear God's word is. Anyone else? I was thinking about with Noah and how he was doing something that was such an odd thing and he had to go against the grain, go against the grain and yet he kept going mm-hmm. and how there's a parallel for us too in that even though people will make fun of us or ridicule us, we still need to keep going and keep going. But then as we've been talking I've been thinking how because Noah heard God's voice telling him to do these things. I think it was an added inspiration for Noah that he heard God. God told him. And I think I don't know if they had the Holy Spirit or what it was if he was there. I don't know how that played out as far as God telling him and him knowing it was God. But even today in our obedience he also gives us that you're doing the right thing, kind of a understanding within us by his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing the right thing. It's good. Keep going. I mean mm-hmm. and as we're in his word, we hear that too. Mm-hmm. Well done, well done, keep mm-hmm. going. You know, yeah. the spirit is giving us that mm-hmm. added um, encouragement, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Keep going. And I think getting together like this, too, we feel it, too. Mm-hmm. That collectiveness together, mm-hmm. God speaks to us yeah. as we hear His words. Mm-hmm. It's just good to be together and yeah. uh, talk about His truth. 
Yeah, his spirit bears witness that with our spirit that we're children of God. If the spirit really does, bears witness with our spirit. But you could see why the enemy is so bent on shutting this thing down and silencing us and cancel culture. I mean, you see why? Because there's power in what we're doing. There is power in it. And he knows his time is short. So he's going to go all out against the saints. And we read in scripture that God allows it because he's purifying our faith. He's strengthening us in the midst of the battle, you know, and he keeps telling us, like you said, Lisa, keep running, keep running. Don't quit. Just keep going. There's a prize at the end. Surprise, you know, we've got to see the prize and keep our eyes on the prize who's Jesus because then it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it when we just fall into his, I don't want to say his arms, we're going to fall at his feet <laughs> and say, I finally made it home. <laughs> Thank you for helping me. Yeah. <laughs> I finally made it home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So does someone want to close this out in prayer? Whoever wants to close this out. God, I just thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can look back at Noah thousands of years ago and the way you carried him through and the way you were faithful yes. to him. And we can cling to that today and say you will be faithful to us. Yes. You will carry us through. And we will go through floods. We will go through fires. Um, but you are the one that will get us through. You will yes, sustain, Mom. you will provide, and we can um, just keep our eyes on you and trust you mm-hmm. that you, in your faithfulness, Mom. will give us everything we need. Mm-hmm. Help us to trust you even when we don't understand. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your yes, thoughts are higher Mom. than our thoughts. Um, our minds are feeble. Our hearts are wicked. And so we must trust you. Um, look to you. Just bless each lady here, Lord, whatever she's going through, and um, Lord, just be near to her. Continue to reveal yourself to her, and um, yeah, just give her the spirit of wisdom, and understanding to know you. Just continue to um, draw our hearts together. Thank you for this body and I pray that we would be unified. I pray that your love and your grace and your forgiveness would be um, just trademarks of this group. And thank you for what you're doing here. Bless the rest of our evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.